everybody, and welcome to Call It In The Ring. Tonight, we are talking about Surfer Sting, or Sting until 1996, or I want to fuck him? I don't know, because he's pretty. Whoa. I don't I, I, I don't know, but uh, my name is Jordan, and I'm joined here with Ed. How you doing tonight, buddy? I'm hanging on there, Sloopy. How are you? Oh my god, he's doing his Ohio State <laughs> bullshit. I, I, I would have just said... I would have just said that early sting, but you you were the fuck. So, I mean, he's pretty. The reason why I said that is because my wife at dinner tonight was like, "So, what's your call in the ring episode about?" And I said, "Sting," and she goes, "Who the who's who Sting?" And I was like, "Oh, okay." So I pretty much did the whole show for, her, which pissed mm-hmm. her off. She's like, "Oh my god, I don't care, right?" So the whole point was I showed her a side by side comparison of Surfer Sting and Crow Sting. And she goes, wow, those are the same guy? And I said, yeah. I said, we're going to do the first show tonight about Surfer Sting. And uh, she goes, he's kind of cute. I'd fuck him. Well, okay. So I'm like, I'm, I'm going to do you know that. What, you know what song you guys could use if, if you guys had sex with Sting? What's that? Here, I'll play it for you. Okay. Oh, H. I-O. So I'm going to go ahead and spell it out there to all the fans right now who are listening to this show. You are listening to this show Friday, which means that it's the day before the Michigan-Ohio State game. I live in a suburb of Toledo, Ohio, which is five minutes away from the border of Michigan. And Ed lives in Pennsylvania, but for some reason, Ed is an Ohio State fan, and, and I am a hardcore Michigan fan. So during Saturday, we are mortal enemies and the Sloopy song, which makes no sense for an Ohio State song, they like to play it. So he's giving me shit for the Michigan-Ohio State game. That's what he's doing. Yes, yes. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, we refer to it as the team up north. And the entire week of, of, of when we play them, we do not use the letter that comes before N in the alphabet. We just cross it out. It doesn't exist. Well, I'm sure the fans would love to hear our bullshit about the Michigan Ohio State rivalry, but tonight sure. we're going to give them sting. So the reason why I said the opening, that the reason why I did it, fans, is because Sting is a very, very popular wrestler, and he is one of Ed's favorite wrestlers of all time. So we decided to give you guys a little bit something different, that we didn't want to talk about all of Sting's career. There's just too much to cover in one show. We don't want to go on for five, six hours. So what we decided to do was we're going to split this up into two parts. This episode is going to be titled Sting Part 1. This is all about Sting from his starting careers until he becomes Crow Sting in 1996. We will end at that Bash of the Beach time in 1996 when the NWO turns. Mm -hmm. And then sometime later in the future, it could be a month from now, it could be six months from now, it could be a year from now. But we will come back to you with a Sting Part 2 which is all about the crow sting. So we'll talk about those, that sting, later. Tonight's all about surfer sting. Well, I mean, I guess you can call him, you know, Venice Beach sting, or you could call him early sting. I mean, I like the idea of surfer sting. I don't know where you where you came up with it. We could definitely use it. But- I didn't pull this out of my ass. I mean, that's what people on different websites have said. That's what Wikipedia has said. This is because of his Venice Beach, California being built from and his hairstyle. Very yeah. 80s. Very mm-hmm. surfer. 
you know, I just very, you know, for what he was at the time. I get it. I mean, I understand where it comes from. I I had never heard of him as referred to that, but I'll I'll I'll, I'll go with it. Yeah. Before we officially count uh, start this show up, I want to tell Ed that even though we're going to be mortal enemies on Saturday, tonight we are buddies, not only because we're talking about wrestling, but because I am cracking open a yingling traditional lager right now because he's from Pennsylvania and yingling's in Pennsylvania. So here's to you, pal. Here's a yingling for you. Well, if I had a Buckeye beer to crack, I sure I sure would. I would prefer a yingling, but okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait a minute. That's not what wait. we said 10 years ago. But times have changed. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, before we start the show, everybody out there for the Call in the Ring verse and the Movie Guide verse, and you listen to this episode, we are not going to be talking about Sting Part 2 or The Crow Sting. We're only talking about Surfer Sting, all the way up from his early career ending at Bash of the Beach 96. We're not talking about anything else up than that. So this will be a good starting point for everybody to get to know who Sting is. So, Ed, I guess I'll start it off here. Sting's actual name is is, is Steve Borden. Uh, He was born on March 20th, 1959. He is 59 years old, and he was born in Nebraska, Omaha, of all places. Yeah, Omaha, Nebraska, which surprised me because the Sting that we're talking about was billed as being from Venice Beach, California, Charlotte, North Carolina, um, you know, and then obviously later, you know, every man's nightmare. But um, I did not know until, I mean, I until after he retired that he was from Nebraska. Uh, I always, maybe it was my own stupid fault. It, you know, it's still real to me, damn it, believed, you know, the guy inside me believed that for the most part, these guys were from where they were built. Well, you know, with certain obvious you know, every man's nightmare or fucking uh, not everybody, yeah, Death Valley, parts unknown, you know, those kinds of things that don't exist. Of course. Right. Well, but to prepare for the show, I did check out uh, Great American Bash 1992 for the World Heavyweight title against Sting Invader. And I watched a few matches before and I knew that Stunning Steve Austin was a part of the Deadly Alliance. Mm hmm. Stunning Steve Austin was built from Hollywood, California, because he was a part of the Hollywood Blinds with Brian Pillman back in the day for WCW. And then he comes to WWF. That's true. And you know who else? Austin, and he's from Austin, Texas. So, you know who else was in was was a part of that at the time? His name was Paul E. Dangerously, mm. but he is today known from every in every wrestling fan's hearts, every ECW fan's heart, as Paul Heyman. That's true. Paul Heyman, God yep. bless. Him. So I mean, there's a, just a lot of things, and you know, going back and doing some of the some of the research for for this match, or excuse me, this this match, this 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 show, man, oh man, watching some of these guys from back in the day, like guys that knew how to fucking wrestle, and we'll get into it in more detail. But one guy that really really surprised me how different he was as a wrestler was Scott Steiner. Yeah. Yeah, Scott Steiner's changed before. You know, we'll get into Papa it. You know, yeah, before he was Big Papa Pump, when he, him and his, when him and Rick Steiner were the Steiner brothers, and you know, when 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 Scott Steiner was like a, I don't want to call him Kurt Angle because he was never that good, but the whole amateur style grapple and suplex and stuff was really good. They were, you know, we'll get into the match between him, between the Steiner brothers and, and, and Sting and Luger for, for the, for the tag titles in 1992. 
But like, like w- watching that match, it's like God, that was a great match. And then going back later and seeing Big Papa Pump with the little the little head on his bicep that was on top of another <laughs> bicep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just <laughs> the little head. He always kissed it. He always kissed it. Mm-hmm. Who wants some yeah, chainmail on top of his head? Right. I mean, like <laughs> Al Snow stole. We're trying to steal. Like- <laughs> Got head. Yeah. Jesus. Ah, that was good. Oh, that was good. But, that was but like, Big Papa Pump was like stumbling and bumbling, and I'm gonna beat the shit out of you. And yeah. he still did suplexes and whatnot. But like, yeah, it just it was just stark worlds of difference from from early 1990s WCW to to mid to late 90s WCW and even early 2000s WWE guys you know it's like it's it's like whoa like where in the world did you forget to wrestle yeah no I I mean I don't want to get into it too much well we'll talk about this eventually uh that will be a future show spoiler alert to the fans but we will have a future show where it's old school wrestling versus the new school now so and if mm-hmm. you guys hear me if if uh if, if uh, all the people out there listening to me go well that's me trying to hold in a burp from this amazing yingling uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no yes um i uh i agree and the reason why that i don't like the old school wrestling is because that's not what i know you see I explain this in every episode, but I feel like I have to explain it just a little bit more for the audience. It's for you to know where I come from. I didn't know anything about wrestling until 1997. I was 10 years old, you know, and and uh, Monday Night uh, Raw versus Monday Nitro. That's what I cared about. I would go back and forth between both programs. When it came to old school wrestling, like Clash of the Champions or the early 90s or the 80s, I didn't have, A, I didn't have access to see that stuff. I had no way of seeing the Great American Bash from 1992 compared to what I can nowadays. You know what I mean? So growing up, I just didn't care. Well, this this, is where, go ahead, go ahead, I'm sorry. I was saying that is that watching Surfer Sting and not Crow Sting was a chore for me because this was very tough for me to watch. The announcers are different, the ring's seem different the audience seems different the wrestlers like the whole presentation including wwf it just it's different than what i'm used to i'm used to the attitude error i'm used to now seeing this stuff is whoa this is a fucking culture shock well although like you my first experience into professional wrestling the moment i remember the most was that wwe raw when and I forget exactly when it was when it was when Shawn Michaels super kicked Bret Hart while he was in the wheelchair. That oh. was my first exposure to, to professional yeah. wrestling for me. And the first pay per view I ever got was Bad Blood when when Shawn Michaels fell off the the Hell in a Cell. That was my first ever pay per view. But I grew up. My grandfather basically raised me. My dad, I mean, my dad was a big part later on, but like it was a different. My grandpa basically raised me when I was young. I started getting into professional wrestling relatively young-ish. I was 10, 11, you know, and I was still basically living with my grandparents at the time. And my grandpa, who knew I was into wrestling, started telling me about guys that he had seen. Guys like Vern Gagne, uh, 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 
no, I was going to say mean Gene Okerlund, but <laughs> that's, that's, that's absolutely wrong. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, guys like Vern Gagne, Bruno San Martino. You know, my grandfather's hero was, was Bruno San Martino. And then that started him and I having a different kind of relationship. He could show me one of the things that he loved uh, was, was professional wrestling. And he's also the guy that got me into comic books. For those that listen to our, our, our other show, Movie Guys Podcast, know how much I love, I, I love uh, comic books. My grandfather got me into it. So I was exposed to NWA. I was exposed to early WCW because of him. So my knowledge of wrestling is more along the same lines of yours, my first experiences, and probably most of our fans. But I have these these this internal love for somebody like Sting because of my grandfather. Right. I understand yeah. that, you know, and unfortunately I'm the only one in my whole entire family uh, that watches wrestling. Um, um, a little behind the scenes here of our personal lives. I have, uh, I have a one car detached garage in my house here and I completely gutted it and turned it into a full functioning sports bar with air conditioning and heat and everything. And my dad would come over uh, a few times this summer, and he would watch some of the uh, my the last pay per view my dad watched with me this year was SummerSlam, and he's sitting here at my bar watching. He's just like, I don't get it, I just don't get it, you know. So like, I'm like, I'm like alone. So like, when you mm -hmm. and I decided to do this show, I'm like, finally, I can talk about wrestling with somebody. I mean, jeez, <laughs> yeah. because you know, because I have another buddy who uh, uh, who um uh, who moved down to Florida. And uh, him and I are big into wrestling, too. So, I mean, him and I talk, but not enough to do a show here. And he may come on and do be a special guest sometime in the future. So we'll talk about that later. But let's talk about Sting. So Sting, if you want to get into personal life real quick, Sting has been married twice. His first marriage was to Sue Borden. They got married in 1986, and they divorced in 2010. And his new wife is Sabine Glenn. And uh, they got married in 2015. Sting has three children. And I don't know if you know this, but here are some of Sting's ring names. You ready for this one? Here we go. Blade Runner Flash. Blade uh, Runner Flash. Wow. Wow. Uh, I'm assuming that that was definitely tied to some shitty movie from the 80s. You can suck a left testicle because <laughs> it's not shitty. And this is not a movie guy's <laughs> podcast. And you need to watch that movie again. I can't watch it without falling asleep, but continue. You need to watch it because it's a part of the Alien French anyway. Um, <laughs> fuck! Uh, you geriatric fuck! I'm, uh, hey, I'm just going for the cheap heat tonight, folks. Oh, there he goes. I, You know, I think that's a gimmick. Every show I got to talk about, to I got to talk about my fans, about the... Uh, my wrestling background, and you always got to throw that cheap heat, heat, cheap heat in there somewhere. Anyway, the next Sting uh, ring name was Blade Runner Sting. That was his mm -hmm. next one. After that one was Flash Borden, because it was close to Flash Gordon, evidently. Flash. Ah, savior of the universe. Didn't, didn't, didn't Queen do that? Yes, they did. Yes, yeah. they did. His next wrestling name was his real name, Steve Borden. And then finally, he ended with the name Sting. Sting is height at six foot two inches at two hundred and fifty pounds. 
He's billed from Charlotte, North Carolina and Venice Beach, California. His, his debut was November 1st of 1985, and he officially retired on April 2nd, 2016. So, <clears throat> Sting first gets into wrestling in 1985, and he is wrestling under the name Blade Runner Flash, and he starts with the Continental Wrestling Association from 85 to 86, and he's actually in a tag team with Jim Justice Ewing, uh, Howing, 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 yeah. Um, they formed the team Power Team USA. To that, well, that by the way, just throwing just throwing that out there. That's the Ultimate Warrior. Is that is that Ultimate Warrior one or is that Ultimate Warrior two? No, no, that's that's the Ultimate Warrior. That's the one that's the, the Ultimate Warrior. That uh, I, I oh, hate yeah. to jump in. Yeah, I, yeah, true. Yeah, hate, look at that. Yeah. yeah. Um, wait a minute. Though. Okay, so let's just go off the sting for a little quick. I just want to know mm-hmm. if this rumor is true. I've heard rumors that there was two Ultimate Warriors. Is that the truth? Um, I'm sure that there was some truth behind it uh, because I don't know that there was ever another Ultimate Warrior, but you got to realize that the Ultimate Warrior was an outcast in in the wrestling world because he was so he was so into health and nutrition at the time. When everybody else was, at, you know, in the going out and drinking beer and partying and, you know, Ric Flair was like that. You know, he was the guy that would drink 37 beers a night and, and whatnot. That was not the Ultimate Warrior. That was – and the Ultimate Warrior was a bodybuilder first. And wow. you've got to remember that 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 tag team, he was – if I remember right, and I don't mean to jump in – for you, but uh, Sting and the Ultimate Warrior, they were a team called the Blade Runners or something like that. Because it, it was, it was flat. It was, it was Flash and Rock. Um, all I know is from my notes is that the two were members of a team called the Powerhouse Team USA, which were a part of the All California Championship Wrestling Association. Okay, um, I mean, I could be mis. I'm obviously misremembering it, but they were. They were, it was Blade Runner Flash and Blade Runner, uh, and uh, whatever I said about the Ultimate Warrior, uh, Blade Runner Rock. This is hilarious because Blade Runner came out in 83, so clearly these people love Blade Runner. Um, What a team. What a team. I mean, if you think about that nowadays, right? And I know that, uh, unfortunately, Jim is no longer with us. Ultimate Warrior has passed away, but... What a great way for Sting to start. Sting starts his career off with what ultimately is going to become the Ultimate Warrior, and the Ultimate Warrior starts his career off with ultimately who becomes Sting and a tag team. Mm-hmm. What? Wow. Yeah. Like, what a team. That would be a great team. And, and you know, a lot of those guys at that era, they that's, that's what happened. You know, you got put with uh, – because Rick Baseman trained Sting. Okay, and if I so Rick, which was a part of that promotion, right? And he also trained uh, the Ultimate Warrior. They, the Ultimate Warrior and Sting trained together, right? I mean, what are the fucking odds that two of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time uh, train together? That's very rare that things like that happen. However, guys would get together back then, and like they were workout buddies. Excuse me, and they we should start. A, we should be wrestlers and whatnot. Which, 
or they they got to one promotion and they became best friends because they became travel partners. And then one guy went to one place and one guy went to another place. And that's how you get introduced to guys. And that's how one person would move from one place to the other. Um, This just so happens to be Sting never left WCW until he had to. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, that's that's just sort of how things happened back in the day. This is just your – I don't mean to say your. This is just the show's first encounter with that. Yeah. I mean, before – okay. So, so, so Sting was, was billed as Blade Runner Flash. He was, uh, he was with Jim Justice, uh, Hell, Hellwig, which is Ultimate Warrior. They started on the All California Championship Wrestling. And then they both moved to the Continental Wrestling Association, which is CWA, which is based mm-hmm. in Memphis, Tennessee. And they became the Freedom Fighters. And they were going up against a team called the Lumbering Hawks. And then after the Lumbering Hulks feud was over with, the Freedom Fighters left CWA and ultimately went to UWF, which is the Universal Wrestling Federation. Just just throwing this out there, another another tie-in to to the old timey, the old time kind of stuff, right? So that that was Memphis Wrestling. That was Jerry Lawler and Jeff Jarrett's dad. Yeah, that was uh, that was um, the promotion with Andy Kaufman. Uh, I believe so. I don't know that. I don't know what the name of it was at the time, but I think you were right. I know that that's the that's the Memphis. I, knew, I remember that as the Memphis Wrestling name uh, organization that that made Jerry Lawler famous. So I guess it would have to be yes. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm, I'm, putting, I'm putting puzzle pieces together in my head uh, live on the show. So the Ultimate Warrior and Sting joined the Universal Wrestling Federation (UWF). And it's an organization run by Bill Watts, and it was based actually in Louisiana, and they were dubbed the Blade Runners. Oh, so I I jumped ahead in time. See, I misremembered. I I jumped ahead in time. And this is when Sting changed his name officially from Blade Runner Flash to Sting, and the Ultimate Warrior changed his name to Rock. So Sting and Ultimate Warrior start going together and the All-California Championship Wrestling as Power Team USA. They go to Continental <coughs> Wrestling Association. They leave in 1986. In 1986, they join the Universal Wrestling Federation. They become the Blade Runners. Sting changes his name to Sting. And then Ultimate Warrior changes well, you, his name to Rock. That's interesting. You, you need to know this about the UWF, Okay. It was run by Cowboy Bill Watts, who was a longtime wrestler in the 60s and 70s. And the reason I know Bill Watts is because of his incredible feuds with Bruno San Martino. I remember Cowboy Bill Watts, or yeah, uh, yeah, Cow- or however it was, Cowboy Bill, Bill Cowboy, I don't remember. But I remember Cowboy Bill Watts because of my grandfather's, and, you know, uh, and then this is what actually ultimately became. Jim Crockett promotions. This I'm getting tingly. I'm getting tingly. You're finding this out. I'm getting I'm getting goosebumps. Uh, the UWF is eventually what became uh, Jim Crockett promotions, which eventually then would be become merged with uh, with what be, what would become WCW. And so then NWF. Well, whatever. This is the this is the start of Sting as the loyal guy, which we'll talk about in this show. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. 
So he has a great career in that year. He was in the Universal Wrestling Federation from 1986 and 1987. However, though, the Ultimate Warrior gets called up to WWF to go against Hulk Hogan in WrestleMania 6. So that leaves Sting behind. And Sting is later um, joined with a guy named Gilbert. And they become the two-time UWF World Tag Team Champions in 1986. And then that champion, and then that tag team ended, and Sting became a third-time UWF champion, tag team champion with Rick Steiner in 1987. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now, following that, um, Sting also was able to get another title in UWF. He won the UWF Television Championship. Mm-hmm. Now. He held that until Jim Crockett bought UWF and it became the National Wrestling Alliance. Let's 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 talk about this for a second here, okay? ECW, WCW, and I believe TNA, pretty much majority of wrestling promotions still to this day have a television title and WWF never did. What do you think that is? And here's my honest opinion. This is not my. This is not a knowledge. This is my honest opinion. So everything you're talking about right now, right? This whole era of of what was Mid South Jim Cocker Promotions beca- that merged into NWA became WCW, uh, UWF. That whole thing. You got to remember, all these guys were around at this in this specific spot at at any given time. So, Paul Heyman, ECW, knew of the television title. Uh, Dusty Rhodes was was a part of that. You know, fucking uh, um, Nikita Koloff was a part of that whole thing. So, all those guys that are tied to what became WCW, then TNA, and, 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 and ECW were all in this specific region of wrestling at the time. Number one. Number two, every promotion that had a TV contract had a television had a television title. And you've got to remember what the NWA was. The NWA was the national touring kind of sort of thing that oversaw professional wrestling, with the exception of the New York Territory, which became WWE. So when the end of, when, when NWA started to I don't want to say take over because they never did you had guys like Ric Flair who were the world champ and then you had the local TV champ and that was that like it was just how it was now see not knowing much about old school wrestling and I realize that the television championship has been around multiple promotions for many years decades. I always thought as the uh, television title to be the European title, a la WWF. It, it, it doesn't mean anything. Um, I still don't think it means anything. Um, I think it, it's just a piece of shit title. That's that, that, that's a debate for a later show. Okay. But I, it's not that I'm agreeing or disagreeing with you, but it's it's everybody had their local champ, and that was who that was. Not to say that each promotion didn't have their own heavyweight champ, but the NWA had the world heavyweight championship. 
That's true because WWF was, because WWF was always the WWF champion. They were never right. the world heavyweight champion. They were the world West, they were the world wrestling federation, world heavyweight champion. Mm-hmm. The NWA, although it was the NW national wrestling alliances, world heavyweight champion, that belt at that time meant you were the champion of all of professional wrestling. You know what? I want to talk about Sting here and how he gets into uh, Jim Crockett of ultimately WCW, but uh, that is interesting. You know, it's come to think about it. It's like, I don't know if I'm trying to get my thoughts here, right? Let me cut my bearings on this. It's, it's, it's so interesting wrestling, you know, and that's why I think it's fascinating that nobody in my family, including my wife, gives a crap about it. The only person that cares about it besides me is my two-year-old daughter. I said enough already right there. It's just it's 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 just fucking fascinating because when wrestling started and Vince McMahon Senior's era and his dad's era because Vince McMahon is a third generation owner, it's interesting that all these promotions had territories. WWF had New York, you know, WCW Jim Crockett had the South. It's just interesting <coughs> that they had territories, and that's how the business was. I just find that interesting, and I want to talk about that more later on in other shows. But that's interesting about this because Sting could have gone to WWF. He he never did, which I find interesting. But well, he later does. But we're not talking about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't exist. Doesn't so, exist in your conversation today. But now, Jim Crockett actually did do a sort of what of a hostile takeover of Universal uh, Wrestling. Uh, not every wrestler was signed on to NWA, um, but. Sting was one of the surviving members of the original promotion, and he arrived officially and signed a contract with NWA in July 1987. And Jim Jim Crockett and Dusty Rhodes used the opening match of Starrcade 87 to showcase Sting. And he was partnered with Michael P.S. Hayes. Michael Hayes. Michael Hayes. Fabulous Freebirds. which Which is Vincent McMahon's like, boy, right? Not then, but he wasn't Vince Ow. McMahon's boy. He was Vince McMahon's bitch. Nice. Well, I think they all are. Larry Zabisco and... Well, uh, no, 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 no. Larry Zabisco was not Vince McMahon's bitch. Larry Zabisco was one of the old school guys that later on in WCW was like the guy that... He was the guy. Okay, fine. Fair enough. But Sting was part of a six-man tag match, and they were going against Gilbert, Scott Steiner, and Larry Zabisco, and ended in a 15-minute time limit draw. Uh, Sting established himself now going on as a rising star, and him and a few uh, UWF alumni had pushed over to the NWA. And then all of a sudden, the first ever pay-per-view of Clash of the Champions started in March of 1988. And Ching Sting challenged Ric Flair to the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. The match ended in a draw after a 45-minute time limit expired. Which, can we talk about this match for a minute? We have to. It is literally one of the greatest matches in the history of professional wrestling. They just go at it and at it and at it. And it's just... If you've, as you know, fans of our of our shows, if you've never seen this, I don't even know. I, I'm assuming it's on the network. It has to be. It There's is. no way it's not. It is. Yeah, I watched. It's it. just like it's cheesy. It's '80s cheesy, but you see Ric Flair at his ultimate heelness, 
And you, you know, you don't quite have, you know, what, once we get to the rematch, you get the woo versus who thing, but like you, you can see that chemistry starting and it's like, Holy fuck. A new guard is in the a new guard is here. But it, here's, here's what I want to know. So you, Jordan, you, you just saw this match for the first time when we were doing research for the show. Is that correct? Yeah. I it's want you. Yeah. Okay. So. Knowing what you know, I want you to take. I just want you to take sixty seconds and just tell me what you think about that match as somebody who's never seen that style of wrestling before. Well, sixty seconds not a long time. The match is interesting. I mean, I did my, I I did find myself bored a little bit because it's not the pizzazz. It's not the Finn Balor or the 90s Stone Cold kind of wrestling that I'm used to. Uh, there wasn't much of a storyline that I could follow, which I missed. I actually missed the soap opera of it. To be quite honest with you, I don't know why, but I kind of missed the soap opera-esque of it of, you know, the heel always being the bad guy. Uh, Ric Flair was at his top of his heel game in this. Uh, it's actually very funny to me because I don't think Ric Flair is aged today because that guy still looks like he does now, in my opinion. I know he's older, but still. Uh, but the match uh, was a great way to start off Clash of the Champions. Uh, that pay-per-view was still around now. WWF just turns it to Night of the Champions. Uh, not a terrible match. Uh, had a great time watching it. Can't believe it lasted for 45 freaking minutes. That was a long time. Uh, but just, um, I don't like that it ended in a draw either, though. I just don't like that it ended in a draw. But overall, overall, decent match. I want you to remember, and this is the difference between WWF and, and all other wrestling promotions, okay? This match. And what you're used to, what you've known is the big show, the putting on a show. Great, you know, gr- great big performances, right? These guys are so used to putting on a show for the local audience. Those people that are there that they, you know, the guys had the you know, they went and they promoted it for a couple of weeks and they went and did shows in front of a couple thousand people and they put on the performance for those in the ring or excuse me, in the crowd. WWF put on a show for those watching it on TV. So that's why these matches are the way they are. I need, I just, I, I'm not saying that's why matches would end in draws because you didn't want the guy that was the local guy to get beat by the guy that was the national guy. You feel me? I, I get that. I do. I get that. I, I see it. So, okay, so later on, we get into 1989. Sting is back into into single competition again with the NWA, and Sting finally gets his um, his first title win as an NWA champion. Uh, he defeated I'm going to murder this name, uh, but he defeated Rotondo Rotondo uh, for the NWA Television Championship in a live match in March. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about. Do you know who that is? No, that is. He's better known as IRS, ah, ah. and he is the father of uh, God, uh, Bray Wyatt. He's Bray Wyatt's dad. Mm-hmm. So he, yeah, that's who that is. Which Bray Wyatt's career is like over with, but Which, uh, anyway, yeah, that's they, they we'll really, talk. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. But um, now I'm going to go back to a show that's in our archives. 
Fans, this is our selfish plug of the show right now. If you like this show of Call It In The Ring, make sure to go to movieguyspodcast.com and go to our archive section. It's under Call It In The Ring tab. You can listen to all of our archives so far since we've done this show. And I want you guys to listen to the Rock episode because this is where I'm going to do my comparison. And I know the times were different from when Sting started, from when The Rock started. But this is my point. This is why I like Sting right now. It's because the guy started off, he paid his dues. He was not an individual champion. He was a tag champion. He eventually became a television champion. He goes to another promotion. He goes to another promotion. He's at his third promotion, and he finally gets the NWA television title, or a la European title, WWF. The Rock was in the promotion with WWF for six months. He was already the fucking champion or something. Like, it's... Like, I like that. I like that Sting did that. I like that it took him a while to do that. I know uh, you and I... We, we reha- well, I don't want to rehash the argument, so I want fans to go back, because I 100% disagree with everything you just said. I, I, I know you fucking did. But, I mean, like, dude, I mean, like, I like it that guys pay their dues. You know, I fucking see this at my personal job, you know? I see this in my day-to-day life. It's just, like, guys that just fucking get shit when they don't fucking deserve it. And this I'm, guy, I'm, has, I'm know, not saying I'm not saying that I'm I'm not saying the guys don't deserve to pay their dues. I, it's the argument is is when you've got it, why should you fucking have to wait six years? If you've got it, you got it. The Rock is the, one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time. One of better the greatest. Than Sting, better than Sting. It, it's unquantifiable. You can't, or excuse me, unqualifiable because it's two totally different eras. It's like asking if it's like asking if. If Tom Brady is better than Roger Staubach, because yeah, Tom Brady has more Super Bowl rings, but they throw the ball fifty times. Roger Staubach threw it twelve. It, it, it's you can't qualify those things. It's just it, it it's just a different world. I get professional wrestling's always been the same style of thing, but like yes, The Rock got a push way sooner than everybody else. But you can't tell me The Rock wasn't isn't the greatest one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. You know, it might not be your favorite because you love Stone Cold Steve Austin. I get that, and that doesn't mean that a guy like CM Punk or Sting didn't didn't fucking earn where they're at. They did. But if you look at the time the, the time frame and look at other guys who started around him, how soon does you know the, he gets a he gets a title shot? He gets a fucking NWA title shot with one of the greatest wrestlers of the era, and if not probably the greatest wrestlers of the era, Ric Flair, and he doesn't lose to Ric Flair. That's a fucking draw, but it doesn't matter. I mean, like, it, uh, I just don't like it. I just don't like it. I like guys paying their dues, and Rock never did, so that's just my... No, my sir, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it, sir. I don't like it at all. I don't agree with you. But, you know, fuck it. I mean, that's just the way it is. I, I respectfully I, disagree with, with your assessment. Yeah. Uh, Sting later continues to be booked by uh, by Mr. Rhodes here. And he wins both the United States champion and the NWA championship title in the fall of 1988. And then all of a sudden his rivalry starts with Hawk and Animal, the Road Warriors, for a televised uh- match. I really say, I, I really, I really like the thing, fella. <laughs> Is that your attempt at Dusty Rhodes? 
I, I really like this thing, fella. He's he's got something special. He's, he's there's just something about him, baby. Uh, he's he's gonna be the chap of the world someday, baby. I'm just imagining you talking around with your tongue all the way to the top of your mouth there, just like a fucking idiot. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That, if, if we had video, that's exactly what you, what you would have seen. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That was Ed's attempt to Dusty Rhodes, everybody. Um, failed. I'm not even going to attempt it. Um, I'm, I, well, I'm feeling very American Dream-ish because I'm wearing polka dot socks at the moment. <sighs> Why are we friends? All right, let's just... Let's because, just, baby, because. What are you doing? <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, so... Flair got a victory over... Uh, Flair got a victory over Sting, and he was attacked by... Uh, by by Funk's stablemate. I'm assuming Funk is, uh, is uh, Terry Funk. Yes. Um, Sting... Uh, came in the aid of his own rival Flair at this time, and the two feuded with Muda and Terry Funk for the rest of the summer and fall, culminating in a Thunderdome cage match uh, between the two teams. And Ric Flair and Sting won at Halloween Havoc in 1989. And the alliance with Flair resulted with Sting jo- joining the newly reformed and now faced Four Horsemen with Anderson and Ole as well. So Paul yeah, Anderson was some was is something something else in his life, let me tell you. Right. Uh mm. Sting finally uh, uh he actually him and the four man round ribbon uh, Iron Man tournament at Starcade eighty nine and the final match of the night was Sting defeated Flair to accumulate the necessary points that he needed to win in the tournament, and the victory made Sting the number one contender for Flair's NWA world title, leading to tension within the four horsemen. That's a good storyline. They don't do that anymore. That's a great storyline. Hey, these guys are friends. They're in the same stable or the same team. Uh, let's have a tournament. You win by points. Hey, the guy who's the champion, who's also in the stable with this other guy, that guy who is a part of the stable has got the points, and he's not a number one contender. Great storyline. I like that. Yeah, I mean, they do it now in, in, in heel stables. They've been doing it now like, Perfect example is The Rock. Okay, I'm just giving you another example because it was the first time it came to my mind. He was he was the young up and coming stud in the Nation of Domination. Farouk was the leader of the Nation of Domination, and you know then that, they had a feud. You know, be, they, it's just done in heels now. It's not done in really good guy things or one or now it's one good guy becomes the bad guy. Like for example, Seth, uh, the Shield, Rollins, and and and. Dean Ambrose, like they have, you know, one's a good guy, one's a bad guy now. Yeah, yeah, that is, and that's gonna be a good match at TLC. I can't yeah. wait. And you got Braun Strowman going against Baron Corbin in TLC. That's be great. Get these hands right. I just love it. Um, <laughs> just, 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 just this sidetrack real quick. This sidetrack real quick. So I want to talk about uh, Sting in 1991 here, but uh, I'm sorry, no, uh, I want to talk about Sting in 1991 with this with this feud with the Four Horsemen. But I love that. I love that. So far, what I have found that I love so much about wrestling nowadays is that, again, for the millionth time, I started watching wrestling in 2016. So 19 years later from when I first started. And watching guys like Braun Strowman and watching guys like Elias, and when I first start watching them in 2016, I'm like, who the fuck are these guys? Fuck these guys. I don't like these guys. Mm-hmm. And, and just seeing them become... 
organically loved is just so much fun. Like I watched an interview with Braun Strowman on YouTube and they're like, where does get these hands come up with? Uh, what does this happen? And Braun said, I don't, I just said it. I don't know why I said it. And now it's a fucking t-shirt. <laughs> you know, I just, I, I just love that about wrestling. And I don't think that happened in the eighties and nineties compared to what it is. Cause social media and stuff like that nowadays, but just sit back and watching this stuff just makes me go, Oh, because let's talk about Baron Corbin for a second. When I first started watching wrestling, Baron Corbin was this long-haired, tattooed motorcycle guy who won the Andre the Giant Memorial at WrestleMania Battle Royal. Mm-hmm. And now he's Constable Baron Corbin and shit like that. It's just fun to see. He sucks on the mic. He sucks. I'm just saying. It's just it's fun. It, it really is fun to see Braun Strowman, who was a part of the Wyatt family, who was the... Big Show, the Andre the Giant of the Bry Wyatt, of the of the fucking White family, you know, it's just amazing to see him go from that to this. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fun for me. So, yes. so Sting, going back to Sting here. Sting has a feud with the Four Horsemen, and he officially gets kicked out of the Four Horsemen on February 6, nineteen ninety, at Clash of the Champions ten Texas show, Shootout. And later that evening, Borden suffers, uh, Sting suffers uh, an actual ligament knee injury, and he enters a steel cage match because of that, featuring the Four Horsemen. Um, And because of that injury, the bookers of WCW now decided that they are going to have to postpone it until Wrestle War. So at this point in time, we'll get into it later in other shows, but at this time, 1999 91, NWA is now ceased. And it has become the WCW. Well, no, 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 no. That's not 100% the case. Uh, I, it's not 100% the case. It is still TNA. Uh, they're still, like, they just, they, they're just combined. To NWA, not TNA. That's what I meant. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, it was, how do I want to say? It, it's, it's a weird mo. It's a weird time. And I don't know the intricacies of it because the, Exposure that I have is just cassette tapes at this point. Um, and I'm sure that we could dig a lot deeper, but I was not on hand for, firsthand. And I can, you know, I can just tell you that, you know, what I know is just it was NWA matches and TNA matches. And they had NWA tag matches and WCW tag team title matches and this WCW title and this NWA, NWA title. It was I don't know exactly the intricacies of it, but it were still combined. It's it's crazy, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. later on at Wrestle War, Lex Luger was the one that was chosen to challenge Flair at Wrestle War for the title. During that match, Sting came down to motivate and to uh, cheer on Luger, and Sting was actually attacked by Ole Anderson, and that feud started up because Luger and Sting were at feuds at that time. Um, well, let's 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 talk about how this how this plays into Sting's first title reign. Okay, so all of what you're saying goes into goes into Great American Bash 1990. Sting comes back from his injury, right? And him and Ric Flair have a have a match for for the strap. Okay, the the what they the dudes with attitudes. The one time, the one time. Uh, stable. It was the only time they ever happened. <coughs> Excuse me. So Steiner Brothers, 
Uh, Junkyard Dog, Lex Luger, I think. I don't remember who else. Oh, El Gigante. Uh, but those for the okay, so you got Lex Luger, uh, Junkyard Dog, and the Steiner Brothers are at ringside, preventing the four horsemen from coming out. Then El Gigante handcuffs himself to Ole, uh, Ole Anderson, Ole Anderson. They come out during the match, right? And then you get the, the rest of the four horsemen come out and you get these, what they called themselves, the dudes with attitudes or something, whatever the fuck, something, something that rhymed and had attitudes, right? They then stop the four horsemen from coming out and helping Ric Flair. And you get what is considered another fantastic sting match. This is the, this is the, the woo versus woo. That's the first ever, the first ever time that they did that in the same. I match. like your, I like your woos there. That was nice. It's beautiful. Really. I profile baby. Woo. I mean, I believe right now the audience is listening to this and is have tears running down their face with that beauty <laughs> that you have cultivated. I'm sorry. I'm on like my 10th yingling right now, so I'm having a great time. Good for you. Yeah. Uh, This is the first time that we get an imposter Sting, so to speak. During Sting's World Heavyweight Championship title run, a masked man known as the Black Scorpion actually taunts and attacks Sting on many occasions. And the feud actually cultivates in a final showdown between Sting and the Black Scorpion at Starcade Collision Course in December. And the match ended with Sting pinning the on and and unmasking the Scorpion. There turned out to be Flair in disguise. Yeah. Later on, we will talk about the fake Sting. But yeah. yes, this we'll is talk. What it was. Yeah, the, the Black Scorpion kick was like one of those weird things that you know a lot of other shows make fun of right. <laughs> on a regular on a regular basis. But you know, at the time, it was what it was. I'm not gonna. I'm not mad about it. I didn't hate it, and I didn't have that much exposure to it, so I don't. I don't know that I would have loved it back then, but I don't have enough exposure to it to to have an opinion. Gun to your head. Do you like that the pay per views have the title like Starcade Collision Course, or do you like the pay per views to say Starcade Six? Which one do you like better? Um, I I'm more of a guy that likes the concept of like Starcade 6 WrestleMania 12 um, and I don't know that I would like it for like Royal Rumble 32 or anything like that but I mean those big time events like Starcade and WrestleMania I like I, the Super Bowl you know I like that I like that idea but you like the name of uh, Starcade Collision Course or Starcade whatever, because that's what WWF did with In Your House. It was always In Your House, dot, dot, something, something. Yeah, In Your House, DX, In Your House, Taker, or whatever it was. Yeah, something like that. So mm-hmm. Rise of the Taker. So, All right, 1991 kicks off, and Sting's first WCW World Championship reign ends on January 11th of 1991 when Flair defeated him in a rematch from Starcade. The same month, WCW succeeded from the National Wrestling Alliance in the process of recognizing WCW World Heavyweight Championship and also WCW World Tag Team Champions. So it looks like uh, WCW was partnered with NWA, but then they seceded, mm-hmm. just like South Carolina did to the Union. Wow. 
Yeah, I mean, there were quite a few states, not just South Carolina that did it, but yeah. They were the first ones. I'm just, I'm just saying, I, I, there were, there were a few. <laughs> and then we all, but, we all know what happens when you secede. You lose. <laughs> well, technically, we there were there are 13 colonies that seceded from British rule that didn't lose. You're gonna okay, okay, fu- fuck you. First of I'm, all, fuck you're my facts. Guy? Sorry, you're that fucking guy. You're gonna be that guy right now. You've like, known me for a long time. When have I not been that guy? I'm just saying you're gonna be that guy. I don't give a fuck if the colonies fucking did anything. I'm just telling you. Uh, you should give a fuck because that's why you're here, bro. That's the po- that was not the point of the argument. The point of the statement. The point of the fucking joke. Dick stick. I said dick stick. I know where I am. Yeah, well, that just that just proved the point that my knowledge is greater than yours because you just made up one. You called me a dick stick. And it, it fucking happened. I'm just trying to tell you, sir. Uh, let me just tell you, sir. That's my that's my Paul Heyman impression. I can't do. Uh, is that the, what's the point? The point was that South Carolina seceded from the United States or from the Union, and we all know what happened to that. I'm just making a joke that WCW seceded to NWA, and NWA is still around. Owned by the Smashing Pumpkins, Billy Corden, uh, Billy Corden, or whatever, and WCW was not even around. I'm just trying to do the comparisons. I don't care about the 13 colonies because I wasn't a part of the joke. Fuck. <laughs> I'm Jesus. Just if you're going to make an intellectual level joke, at least be an intellectual. That's all it I'm wasn't saying. an intellectual joke. It wasn't even an intellectual joke. What's wrong with you? That was just me just doing a stupid little joke to make the audience go, ah. but now all you're right. making them go scratch their fucking heads because I'm trying to talk about Sting here. Can we but- talk about how Sting and Luger and the Steiner brothers had a fantastic fucking tag match at Super Brawl? Yeah, so talking about the Super Bowl, the tag team titles, the Steiners won by pinfall, right? Yeah, and that was the match I was talking about, by the way, when I was saying, like, watching Steiner wrestle, like, Scott Steiner wrestle and be a good wrestler, and then go be Big Papa Pump kissing the head on the top of his bicep that was on top of his other bicep. (laughs) I'm going to giggle every time you say that. (laughs) (laughs) Continue. So, no, that was that was what was literally. I mean, that was the match in 1991, and that was the first great match in WC. What it would be sold WCW history. Um, I, I can't say enough about that match. It was it was it wasn't that long. It was, but it was brutal. Nikola, uh, Nikita Koloff comes out just showing what Sting was because Lex Luger would like backstab fucking Sting left and right, left and right. Yeah, man, Luger was a dick, right? He was a huge dick. dick. But, like, Sting, being the ultimate good guy, the ultimate face, saw that Nikita Koloff was coming around to punch Lex Luger in the face with this chain thing. Yeah. Right? Pushed Luger out of the way, gets punched square in the head, gets opened up, and, and well, I forget who it was. It was Rick Steiner or Scott Steiner uh, pinned him. And then after the – because they were all faces at the time. There was, like, four good guys. And – they come out, or they, excuse me, they, the match ends, and they're all like, what the fuck happened? And Sting's like, I don't know. Nikita Koloff just come out and punched me in the head. And then they're all sort of talking. And it's, it's really fun, by the way, to, to listen to, to – that was Dusty Rhodes and uh, Jim Ross who called that match. And then they go to the back. Nikita Koloff runs in the back. They go to a young Tony Schiavone. Yep. Right? And uh, 
he's trying to interview Nikita Koloff, who's running away. Then all of a sudden, Sting comes out. Sting comes in the back. And Sting starts beating the shit out of Nik Nikita Koloff. They go outside. They fight outside the arena. They hit each other with chairs. It's just, it was really cool. Like, that was really fucking cool. Yeah, see, now, that was cool to you. What was cool to me was in August of 1991 when Sting went up against and defeated Steve Austin to win a tournament for the vacated WCW United States Championship. I like that, was that Was that before or after the war games with uh, the Dangerous Alliance? With, with I don't know. That was Steve Austin and Rick Rude. That was before. So, yeah. so, so Sting in 1986 becomes the WCW World, WCW United States Heavyweight Champion, and then at Starcade '91, Sting won the first ever Battle Bowl, Battle Bowl, Battle Royal. God, I, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say it. Do you remember? And I hope our fans remember the greatest show on MTV ever called Celebrity Deathmatch. Yes, when they were claymation. Yes. Yeah, watch them. All the episodes are on YouTube. Um, these names, Battle Bowl. This reminds me of of the segments that they would have for mm -hmm. uh, for uh, uh, Celebrity Deathmatch. It's just funny because they would have Death Bowl, mm -hmm. you know, and stuff like that. This the terrible name, Battle Bowl. Just a terrible fucking name. Um, but anyway, uh, so Sting, after he wins the first ever Battle Bowl Battle Royal. He starts to feud with the Deadly Alliance and uh, headed by the manager at the time, Paul E. Dangerously. Paul Heyman. Paul fucking Heyman. So the Deadly Alliance and Sting begin to have a feud. The reigning, undefeated, undisputed. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You were going to do that, weren't you? I wasn't going to do it, but I, in the middle of it, I forgot how he says it. The reigning... Undefeated, undisputed, universal champion, Brock, Brock Lesnar. Every time you, every time you watch him say Lesnar, watch his tongue. It goes up to the top of his teeth. Les, Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. It's like he's channeling his Vince man with the. I love when you do that. Do you? I love when you do that. Why do you like that so much? Because uh, you're spot on. You could literally not use a word and just do that. It literally sounds like Vince McMahon. Challenge accepted. Let's see here. <laughs> the Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin will face off against each other in a... <laughs> <laughs> Have huge tits. I'm Vince McMahon. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> he did stare at stare at him during her wedding. On uh, to the to, did you to see those puppies? Stick them out, Steph. No wonder him and Donald Trump are such friends. I wonder if billionaires all bang their daughters. I, <laughs> oh, I'm having a great time. Call the ring to be continued. <laughs> shit. So after the Battle Bowl Boy Rumble, uh, I can't say it. After oh, the Battle Bowl, 
Battle Royal, Battle Bowl, Battle Bowl. I can't say it. Say it. Say it, it fast. Like battle codes. No, battle no, Bowl, Battle Royal. Say it fast. Battle Bowl, Battle Royal. Battle Bowl, Battle Royal. Battle Royal. Smart fellow I, I fellow smart. No, what? Anyway, so if you say that if you say that really fast, it says uh, fart smell a Y, I smell a fart. Again, why are we friends? So this comes to the point where Sting is done battling with the Deadly Alliance, and he starts a feud against the 450-pound Big Van Vader. One of his biggest rivals. They have legendary fucking matches. Him and Sting and Vader have, like, they battled in, uh, in uh, fucking, oh, I, I don't even, can we, can we digress into Vader and Sting, or do you want to, just want to continue the chrono? Chron I mean, chron please go ahead and we'll continue on with this International Heavyweight Championship in 94, but go ahead, say what you got to say about it. So you get fucking, Sting and Vader fight a bazillion times. 1992, at, at uh, there's a bounty match, right for the for the strap. Um, you know, fucking, they just beat the shit out of each other. You know, fucking, uh, they they fought the Great American Bash, 1992. <coughs> Excuse me, um, uh, oh, Starcade 92. They, I mean, all of this time, like 92, 93. They, you know, like they have what, what, what might be one of their biggest matches at Super Bowl three in 1993. They, it was the, they call it the White Castle of Fear leather strap match. Jesus this, Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like, it's not that well structured, but like the, the, the leather strap match, they just beat the piss out of each other with the fucking thing. They're big welts and cuts on Vader's back. He uh, his chin starts to bleed. His ear starts to bleed. Sting, you know, he's he, he looks scary, um, dynamic. You know, it's like it's you see. There's not a there's not a whole lot of a, like flashy offense in that match that you see with Sting. But you know, it's Sting's not that hardcore wrestler. He's got his he's got his limitations. But like it it just. He was just real dark in that match, and and they had like their feud all together. Like they had a bunch of matches over that course of time. Tag matches. They were in house shows together. They had another title match in '94, but it wasn't anything like what what, what they did in, 90, in the night early night, like '92, '93. Um, I can just say that I would I would personally say that of this era. Of this era, Sting's two best rivals were Flair and Vader, and I think the Vader matches kind of take the cake because it's like the David versus Goliath thing. Yeah, no, I would totally, totally agree with you on that one. Absolutely, David and Goliath would definitely be a, a Sting mm -hmm. Vader. I totally agree. Um, Sting in nineteen ninety four becomes with his with his feud with Vader and Rick Rude, uh, he wins the WCW International World Heavyweight Championship in April. That was a very, very short lived championship. It the 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 international world heavyweight championship was debuted in nineteen ninety three. 
and it was taken away in 1994. Uh, but anyway, <clears throat> so in uh, Great American Bash 1985, Sting defeated Ming uh, to win another tournament for the WCW United States Championship, and, St and Sting defeated Ming in a rematch for the title at Bash of the Beach in 1995. Uh, Sting was also on the first ever Monday Nitro, where Sting defeated Flair. I'm sorry, oh, where right. Flair oh, defeated right. Sting. My bad. Flair defeated Sting by disqualification as a result by running by Arn Anderson to attack Flair. And then at Fall Brawl, Sting teamed with Hogan, Luger, and Randy Savage to defeat the Dungeon of Doom. So we got to talk about this. We'll probably have a big serious debate about this in other episodes. But Sting was a part of the first ever Monday Nitro. Ed, where was the first Monday Nitro ever held at? It was in the Mall of America. There you go, in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. Crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Because WCW and NWA, they are Southern promotions. And, they're, and to kick off their first ever televised live show going against Monday Night Raw is in Minneapolis and not Atlanta. Interesting. Well, that was, I think, their statement to the world that we're not just a Southern promotion anymore. We're going to be on TV. We're going to tour. We're going to be – we're not just going to be in the South. We're going to be doing what WWF does, and we're all we – are, we are a wrestling alternative to the TV promotion. You're going to get better matches built for you in the building versus the TV promotion with the fireworks and the flash and all that shit, which – WCW later ends up doing very well. I'm just saying at the time, that's what that's what they were. And that, that moment when Lex Luger comes out, right, on, on a live TV event when he's supposed to be on Raw. <laughs> like, he's on Raw. <laughs> or he was just on a pay-per-view the night before or something. I don't remember exactly. But Lex Luger comes out in, on WCW Monday Nitro. Yeah, Monday Nitro. Uh, we're going to have a show eventually, which that's going to be a debate. Fans, I'm telling you now, Ed calls me a hype man. You're going to hear it here first. Sometime in 2019, sometime in a coloring episode, you will see Monday Nitro versus Monday Night Raw. It will be a great episode. And we Get your will popcorn and your, whiskey, and your whiskey ready because the conversations yeah. you and I have had about this it's going to be I – I can't wait to talk about it with you on air. I can't it's, wait. It's going to be sometime in 2019. It's happening in 19. It's not happening in 20. It's not happening in 21 or 22. It's happening in 19. Sometime. Be prepared, fans. Just know, to end my hype on this one, when you go to movieguyspodcast.com and you see a Call of the Ring episode and you see Monday Nitro versus Monday Night Raw, you will know – that Ed and I have left our homes from Pennsylvania and in Toledo, Ohio, and we have met in the middle in Cleveland, and we have fought to the death. We had, we had a hell in a cell. I can't even do it. I can't even do it. I can't even yeah. do it like you. Did Damn you it! Do I tried. You I just, couldn't do it. You just have to sound like a fucking idiot. Like oh, no! <laughs> Well, so, that's just, it's just so much easier for you than it is for me. Because I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm just a total idiot. But yeah, so Monday Nitro and Sting, I have watched this match. Actually, this is what started a little bit. I did not see this live when it aired in 1995. Um, but uh, 
I, I, I have seen Flair versus Sting in the first ever Money Nitro numerous of times on YouTube and on the network. Uh, fun match. Uh, it, it starts to it starts me to get into my love of uh, of wrestling. Uh, at Fall Brawl, Sting teamed with Hogan, Luger, and Randy Savage to defeat the Dungeon of Doom. Like I said earlier, at the events of War Games later on. And then uh, Flair convinced Sting to team with him in a match against Anderson and Brian Pillman at Halloween Havoc. Anderson and Pillman had attacked Flair earlier in the night, rendering Sting, r- rendering Flair unable to come out for the first part of the match. So Sting fended off his perform uh, his opponents by himself, and still Flair emerged. Later in the match, Flair turned on Sting and reformed the Four Horsemen with Anderson and Pillman. Later, adding Chris Benoit to fill the group. Mm-hmm. So that's the third iteration of. Of the four horsemen, uh, Sting defeated Flair uh, on a nitro with the Scorpion Decklock, refusing to let go until Lex Luger persuaded him to do so. Sting Sting defeated Flair again at World War Three pay per view, the first ever World War Three. Later that night, Sting competed in the World War Three Battle Royal for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship, which was won by Randy Savage that night. Which we talked about as a total shit show. <laughs> total shit show. And if you want to check it out, movieguyspodcast.com. Go to the archives, call it in the ring. You will see that episode. World War Three versus Royal Rumble and Hell in a Cell versus War Games. Check that out. It's a great show. Sting alliances with Hogan and Savage led to the Four Horsemen to attack them as well. And Sting's second U.S. title reign lasted until November 13th of that year when Sting was defeated by Kin- Kinsuke Nakasaki. Kinsuke Kasaki. Kinsuke Kasaki in Japan at Starcade. Sting defeated Saki, representing New Japan Pro Wrestling in a not-title match to win the World Cup of Wrestling for WCW. In the next match later that night, Sting lost a triangle match involving Flair and Luger. Flair won by Countout to become number one contender for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship, which Flair won to, from Savage in the next match. So that kind of cultivates our... Sting overall, because in 1996, Sting changes, which we'll talk about in our Sting Part 2, which I'm sure I will have a lot to discuss. Yeah, you, you probably will have a lot, and I look forward to you having more, you know, not just research knowledge, but like passion and memories as a child, because for me, Sting was one of those guys that, you know, yeah, I only saw... I only saw him on cassette tapes and I watched, you know, Monday Nitro and whatnot, but I really, uh, cassette tapes, VHS tapes. And I was introduced to the world that became Sting because my grandfather, and my grandfather actually liked Sting a lot. My my grandpa liked Sting because I was born in the late eighties. And at this time it's 1998, 1999. So Sting's still doing his thing. My grandfather was not a fan of, of the Crow Sting. Not that we're not going to get into that later on in the discussion, but you know, for me, the early part of Sting's career was was him being like the ultimate heel, or excuse me, the ultimate face, the ultimate good guy, sacrificing life and limb and and, and health for his friends and, and whatnot. Like Hogan never did that. Yeah, Hogan is kind of a dick. Hogan did a lot of dickish things, and Hogan was the larger than life guy. And, you know, I don't know this for a fact, but I can almost guarantee you that at the time, Sting had multiple offers from from WWF to come over. And especially when, when WCW was stealing guys left and right, I can almost guarantee you Vince made 
ridiculous offers to Sting to come over at the time. I don't know that to be fact. I'm just assuming it's true. So, yeah, I mean, my my, my thoughts on Sting in this, and I don't know if you, whether or not you agree with me or you may disagree with me, I, I, I don't know, and quite frankly, I don't care, but I think this era of Sting is it, it's it's the end of classic professional wrestling. You know what? I, I actually will agree with you on that because we're ending it before Bash of the Beach of 96. And that's where everything in wrestling turns. Wrestling yeah. still to this day has not been the same. You have guys like uh, the Bullet Club, Finn Balor, Luke Gallows, still doing too sweet. Uh, mm. I mean, everything has changed because of this. The number one most selling T-shirt in WWE today is still NWO. So that's a I that's believe a, that. And that's, a, that's a fun fact for everybody. And Sting, Sting was one of those. Flashy guys that would, you know, like the Stinger Splash was was a great move. I mean, we haven't really talked about his his, his moves. You know, the Stinger Splash, the Scorpion Deathlock. Yeah, okay, the Scorpion Deathlock was a fucking sharpshooter. It is what it is. But, like, whatever. I don't give a fuck. The Stinger Splash was great. It was a great setup to go into the, the Scorpion Deathlock. But Sting was not afraid to jump over the top rope and, 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 fall to the floor and put his body on the line and, and you know, go through the ropes on a suicide dive. And he was not afraid to put on the show the fans in the building deserve. And that's why, like you said, Sting's one of my all-time favorite wrestlers because the guy was the premier guy in a company. And he didn't do what these guys do today. We even talked about it during during our, our last uh, our last episode of Call in the Ring. We talked about Armageddon 2000. And you had all six guys, the top five, five of the top six guys, or the top five, there were six guys in the, in the ring, but the top five guys in the company, none of them were willing to take those kinds of bumps. None of them were willing to jump over the top rope. None of them were willing to do what Sting would have done for the betterment of the business, not the betterment of himself or preserving himself. I can argue with you on that one. That one's that's 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 a legit argument. I totally agree. So, um, all right, well, everybody, for calling the ring here, we're gonna end the show here for uh, this most rips episode of uh, Super Surfer Sting Sting Part One. Again, I've already spoiled it. There will be a Sting Part Two in 2019, just like there's gonna be a Raw versus Nitro in 2019. So, be on the lookout for those when they come out. You're not gonna want to miss those episodes. I'm telling you now, just wait. It's going to be amazing. Watch. I, Jordan watch. could literally be a hype man for a rap concert. I could be, yeah. I, I could totally be. Watch. Uh, our first episode of uh, of 2019 will be Raw versus Nitro, just knowing me. But, no, uh, we're, we're not going to do that, fans. We're not going to do that to you. We, we're, we're, we're not going to come in slow in 2019, I promise. Uh, right. We've got we've got a couple episodes left in 2018 that we're you know we're we're really looking forward to doing, um, but you know we're not going to jump right into 2019 and into stuff like that. But we've got a lot. I'm I'm so excited. We've got a lot of interesting stuff for 2019 planned for 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 fans of of, of Call It in the Ring, and I'm I'm so much looking forward to it. You know we don't have anything set in stone yet. Nothing set in stone, but. 
you know, we're going to talk to some people that you'd be surprised who we're going to talk to. We're going to talk about matches and, and we're going to talk about rivalries and we're going to talk about stables and we're going to talk about things that, that you wouldn't expect. We're going to dive deep into WCW. We're going to dive deep into WWE. We're going to talk about EC fucking W. ECFNW. I'm so excited to, to, to talk about ECW. I'm so excited because Jordan doesn't like ECW. So I'm so excited to talk about those kinds of things with, with, with Jordan and to inform some of the fans who maybe don't know these, these kinds of things. Maybe the younger f- the fans who, who don't know to dive deep into the WWE Network, to know what guys who cut their teeth on putting on great shows, guys that you'll never, ever see in a WWE Hall of Fame, you know, match or anything like or WWE Hall of Fame. They'll never go in, but guys who deserve to be just recognized and, 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 and loved for what they did for fans. I think you just beat me as the hype man, but uh, I'm, I'm excited because you just hyped me up. So we hope all of you here, fans of the Call in the Ring verse, movie guys versus as, as hyped as we are, we're excited. 2018 is almost over with. We have a great rest of the year of 2018 planned. We have a great of uh, 2019 planned ready for everybody, like Ed said. But everybody, like we always say at every show, if you like this episode, just check us out. Download us. Go to movieguyspodcast.com. On the far right side of the page, you will see a tag that says Called in the Ring. You can see all of our episodes. We talked about SummerSlam 01, The Rock Game. I, the, the episodes are endless. I mean, there's just so many episodes that we have that we have done. There's so many episodes we're continuing to do. So make sure to check out check, check, check those episodes out. Go to movieguyspodcast.com. Also, go to iTunes and on iHeartRadio and on Spotify. Just type in movieguyspodcast.com. You can find these shows and other shows, part of the Movie Guys Verse, part of Be Real Network as well. You can find our show, Call in the Ring. You can find Movie Guys Podcast. You can also find out some other shows coming up, which would be for a distraction. And a new show coming out in 2019 called Late Night Rentals. So make sure to check those out as well. But, Ed, thank you so much for joining me. And I'll talk to you guys next week for another episode of Called in the Ring. Have a good night. O-H-I-O So I'm not. Re- so I haven't stopped recording. Um, <laughs> I know you didn't. The fans are going to hear this right now as a little, as a little uh, blooper. So three, two, one, beep. Who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> o H I O. I'm doing. I the just, hand don't, I just don't understand. I mean. I just don't understand you Ohio State fuckers. I just don't understand you guys. We beat you for 10 years straight. We no, have more chip. Bullshit no. for fucking shit we okay. did. Urban we Meyer have- has never fucking lost to Ohio State or Michigan. Urban Meyer's never lost to Michigan. It's not a fucking about to happen now. It's not going to happen. Fucking shit. You almost lost two weeks in a row. And second of all, motherfucker. Guess we what? Got- we didn't. I don't care. A WW, I get that. But motherfucker, we have more championships than you do as well. And we also have the biggest stadium in college football. And that's as big as our dick. I don't All want right, to well, hear you're it. about to take that dick and shut up your own fucking ass because Muckfish again.
Ohio State's going to win on Saturday. <clears throat> and God damn it, we're going to the fucking playoffs. You ain't going to the playoffs. It's going to be it's going to be Michigan versus Alabama in round 1 and in the final round for the national championship it's going to be Michigan versus Notre Dame and you know it. I don't oh, want to fucking hear it. Here we go. I don't want to fucking hear it. I don't want listen. Ohio State's going to win and they're going to win fucking big against Michigan cuz Michigan's defense fucking sucks. Michigan serious? Michigan the most defense in the nation. They're overrated. Michigan has the most overrated fucking quarterback in the history of college football. They're number 1 Ohio defense State, in the nation. Ohio State is going to walk in is walk over, all over you. They're going to take this boot, turn it shy, sideways and shove it straight up your Wolverine fucking asses. Guess what? The Wolverines are going to go down to Columbus, Ohio. They're going to check into the SmackDown Hotel. Then they're going to go into room 316 and burn the motherfucker to the ground. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Muck Fishigan. I'm just I saying, you know it. what? You know what? Fuck this. The fans are still listening. This is a little blooper reel because fuck you. Fuck you. We got to have a bet right now. Michigan wins. Something has to happen. Ohio State wins. Something has to happen. All right. Homie, what, do you want? What, do you, what do you want to do? What do you I don't want? know. You live in Pennsylvania. You live three hours away. What the you fuck? You live in Ohio. Ohio. You what live in Ohio. What am I going to do? You live three hours away, motherfucker. What the fuck? Okay, how about this? When we all get together and the movie guys yearly get together thing, you owe me a, you owe me a fucking... Fucking, uh, you owe me, uh, same thing for you. I owe you a lap dance and a six-pack of beer. I, I've never been to one of those kinds of establishments. I don't know what you're talking about. I will offer you this. How about this? So, if, if by some off chance that God is dead and the devil rules heaven, that Michigan beats Ohio State, mm-hmm. if by some off chance, mm-hmm. I will... Take a selfie wearing a Michigan T-shirt, and I'll make it my Facebook profile picture for a week. If when Ohio State beats Michigan, when that happens, you have to do the same thing. You have to have a Ohio State jersey, Ohio State hat, whatever. You have to take a selfie, and you have to make it your profile picture. Deal. Done. Deal. You've heard it here, fans, on a blooper reel. Fuck you, they didn't want to hear about this. But you have pushed me to the limits. You have pushed me to the limits. And I can't deal with it. It's happening. Fans, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We'll talk to everybody later. Have a good night.